Hey, we're back. It's season two of the OMN Alumni Podcast. I'm Steven Sandberg. Thank you so much for being here again for season two. On the OMN Alumni Podcast, we interview alumni of Orange Media Network, the student media department at Oregon State University. If you're not familiar with OMN, we consist of the Daily Barometer student newspaper, Damn Chic Fashion Magazine, Beaver's Digest Lifestyle Magazine, KBVR TV, KBVR Radio, and Prism Art and Literary Journal. And if you want to learn more, go to orangemedianetwork.com. My guest for the first episode of season two is the evening anchor and nightside executive producer for KOBI NBC5 in Southern Oregon. It's Anna Weeks. How's it going, Anna? It's going good. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you here. Uh, you're coming to us from Southern Oregon today, and you got a pretty pretty big uh, winter weather event over the last day or so. Sounds like you got a pretty big snowfall in the last 24 hours or so. We do. I-5 is really being heavily affected, but we're, we cover a wide range of areas. So we have places with no snow, and we have places with feet of snow. Yeah, you can kind of go really anywhere in that region and the weather is going to be a little bit different if you travel, you know, 20 miles in one direction or another. Is that something you've had to kind of adjust to, you know, the type of climate in Southern Oregon since you've been living there? Yeah, you know, when you're going out to report on a story, we always tell our reporters, you just have to pack a go bag with anything that you may need. So whether that's, you know, a big jacket or you, you're just going to go from all different areas, you could be in the sunshine one minute and then it's snowing the next when you hit the mountains. So you just have to be prepared for everything. So with the big snow you had last night, you mentioned that I-5 was shut down. What are we looking at in Southern Oregon right now? A lot of slick driving conditions right now. That's a lot of what our stories are focusing on. That was our top story. Last night at 11 p.m. was I-5 southbound was shut down. Northbound was kind of on and off shut down and whatnot. But there were a lot of cars parked on the side of I-5 and they're still, still dealing with that today, so. Yeah, but you've been able to get in and out okay? Everything's been safe on your end? The Valley floor in Medford. Hey, we're looking, we're sitting pretty. I think the roads are a little little wet, but they're not slick. So we're we're doing well. I That's live two blocks from work, so. Right on. So you, you could hike over there. Worst case, oh, I could you know. just walk over. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Anna, uh, it's great to talk to you. Uh, you know, I lived and worked in Southern Oregon for about five years before coming to OSU. And then uh, I met you when you were a student at OSU. And I remember Southern Oregon, very beautiful area, very famous for hiking, you know, rafting, outdoorsy kind of stuff. Uh, do you like doing outdoor activities? Do you have certain things that you like to do in the outdoors? I do, of course, hiking. We have Grizzly Peak, we have the Table Rocks. I mean, you can go up to Crater Lake. It's not that far of a drive. Head up to the coast in the Secret Beach. But fishing, I think I've taken up a lot of fishing since I've been here. A lot of hiking and just getting outdoors in general. We have a lot of wineries in the area. So getting out to the Applegate and seeing all the views that they have just from their little vineyards and their family wineries. It's 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 beautiful. Now, here. you said you picked up fishing since you came to Southern Oregon. I have. I got a fishing license. I'm very proud of it. Nice. What are you fishing for? Um, a little bit of everything. I just regular fish. I'm not a big fly fisher or anything like that. But you know, I, I think I've only caught one fish, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm the best fisherman, but I, I'm trying. So what has that been like, you know, fishing as you've been living in Southern Oregon for the first time? Is that something that you kind of had to adjust to since you've been there or, or what's it been like picking up these outdoorsy activities? You know, being from Oregon, I think it was a little easier for me to acclimate myself. I know Medford is a lot more different than Northern Oregon where I grew up, but all of my family is from Coos Bay, which is actually the Southern coast of Oregon. So I grew up more so 
on that southern coast climate down here. So I was kind of used to driving through this area and getting used to the outdoor stuff and more so crabbing on the ocean. But, you know, it's not that much of a, a difference. I can yeah. get out there and fish. <laughs> nice. Now, I miss crabbing at the coast. I haven't been there for a long time. Have you been recently? I have not been crabbing recently. No, oh, but okay. I get out to Coos Bay pretty often. Right on, right on. And uh, that, that's great. Uh, so right now you are working at KOBI NBC5. That's the NBC affiliate in Southern Oregon. You are an evening anchor and the nightside executive producer. So you produce the evening newscasts. You produce the trending news show, Your Place at 7. I want to talk about all of that. First off, in your role as a nightside producer, what is a typical day like for a nightside producer at a station like KOBI? It's a lot of time management. So I think of producing as a giant puzzle. Um, I don't produce all of the shows I anchor. I produce, I anchor three shows and I produce two of them. So I produce the Lifestyle Fun Show at 7 p.m. and I produce and anchor the 11 p.m. news. So it's a lot of breaking news, checking social media for breaking news constantly, checking our email, helping the reporters. I think that's a really big part of being nightside. So I start my day every day at 2.30. I come in and I start just puzzling out my little 7 p.m. show. It's called Your Place at 7 with Anna Weeks. And it's just a nice break from when you turn on the news every single day and everything that's going on in the world. We do fun, trending news stories from local news, but we also go all around the world. So whether that's the little kids down at that local elementary school where they're raising money for local vets, which is a story we did yesterday, or a story we did earlier this week where some woman across the country turned her red brick home into a giant gingerbread home. It's it's just fun nice. things that will make you smile. So Don't bite into that one, though. That's not going to be no. good for your teeth. Uh, some of it was edible. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very fun. But and then you transition back to news. So I take a break from the 7 p.m. producing and then I anchor the 6 p.m., which is our, our prime time, 6 p.m. show. I have a co-anchor who I love and we report the news like we need to for regions across. So we go up all the way to Douglas County and all the way down to Siskiyou in Northern California. So we're all over. But then I transition back into my producer, executive producer role for Nightside and I help the reporters figure out what the stories they need to do, who they need to interview, check off the stories, and then we just start cranking out the 11 p.m. But because we are a smaller market, we all are, you know, Medford, Oregon, uh, we do, it's kind of a, not a one-man band, but a all-hands-on-deck situation sometimes. So especially nightside after 8 p.m. when you, the bulk of your crew goes home, everyone pitches in and everybody helps out. And so if that means one minute you're doing breaking news on social media and the next you are on air anchoring the news, everyone helps each other out. So what do you do in that situation, especially maybe something like yesterday where you had a lot of winter weather come in in the evening? And like you said, the majority of the team has maybe has gone home already. How do you handle breaking news in the evening in a situation like that? Divide and conquer. You have we had last night we had a crew of three. So we had one person calling everybody you can think of, ODOT, Caltrans, the officials in the area, anything like that, feeding all of the information, repeating everything while being still on the phone so somebody else can type it out and get it up onto your website. Meanwhile, another person is trying to work that into the show that's coming up. We have a 10 p.m. and we have an 11 p.m. because we're actually a duopoly. So we do the Fox shows as well. 
-hmm. So it's just, it's a lot of teamwork and you learn to work with a lot of different people on a big timeline and a lot of deadlines all the time. And so you're kind of just running off of adrenaline and coffee all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And so at the end of all that, you know, you, you do the 11 o'clock news and do you just go home right after, or is there still more work you got to do when that 11 o'clock's over? You know, it depends. There's actually a, there's a 30 minute time between 1130 and midnight where sometimes there's no one in the newsroom. So it kind of depends what's going on for the day. So if there's, if it's wildfire season, sometimes I stay after and it just kind of depends what, what the day's looking like. Uh, last night we ended at about 1140 ish. And then I stayed a little bit after got everything up online. I five breaking news. What do drivers need to know? What do my people need to know right now? And then I go home, unwind, read a book, go to bed. Yeah. Does it take a while for that adrenaline to wear off after such a busy night, especially with breaking news? Oh, especially with breaking news, especially when you're just just on this high going through the 11 p.m. news and you're, I, you know, I love my meteorologist. We get along really, really well and we get so hyped up during the newscast and then you come home and you're like, it's midnight. I need to go to bed. I need to go to bed and wake up the next day. So yes, it takes a little bit to wind down, but once you get into your routine, you get it down. You mentioned that as the producer, one of your important roles is to help the reporters and help with stories and help them along. You began at NBC5 as a reporter, Mm -hmm. and now you're working with other reporters. What was that transition like into that leadership role and helping others? I think that's actually one of my favorite parts about this job. I love anchoring. I love meeting the community. I love all that, but I really love that mentorship role that I get to have in the position that I do right now. And I think that is something that going forward with any job or anywhere I go, I will always look for in a position is that mentor role with the reporters. And I think it's it's nice that I was in that role prior to this position where I understand what they're going through. I understand as an MMJ, you are not only trying to make it on air, but you're trying to get it on social media and you're trying to get your online article and you're trying to plan stories for later in the week. So I understand how hectic that can be. And so I step in at any point I can with my reporters. I, I, you know, I encourage them to reach out even if I'm not necessarily at work because I know sometimes all they need is just a quick idea or they need to talk it out and they're good to go. So I think it's unique that I was able to grow into this role. I think it's also unique that I'm from the area. I'm one of the only people at the station that's from Oregon. So I'm able to give a little bit of that side of things. I think a lot of people for their first market go and they get a job far away from their home and they're somewhere where they've never been before and they've never been to Oregon. And I think it's such a unique field to do that. And it's really nice that you can just immerse yourself into this community as a reporter, but it is hard being being away from home. So it has been nice. They've been here for almost three years now and being to, able to invite those reporters in, have them experience Oregon, take them and show them what Oregon has to offer, but also teach them the roles inside of the newsroom. And I think it's an important to balance those as well. Taking on a leadership role, it was, a, it was very different, especially when now you're taking on a management role and you're quote unquote, in charge of people that you were on the same playing field as before. But, you know, that's just, it's just a balance and you have to separate your 
outside work from your professional work. And so far, so good. It's been almost three years and it's gone well. So. And like you said, because you started in that reporter role first, it seems like you you understood a lot of what your reporters now mm-hmm. are having to do on a daily basis. Do you find that that's, that's helped as as an executive producer now? Has it created a little bit more empathy, I guess, for, for the reporters you're working with? Yes, I think, it, I think it has. I think looking back at my reporter days, there were some days I was so stressed out. I actually, I have a little book, it's called a one a day. And so every single day, I started it when I first started here. And every single day I write down a couple sentences about the highlights of the day, what happened, what I want to remember. And it's funny looking back on it because I filled my, my little entry out last night and I'm looking back and two years ago, I'm looking at, oh, I just want to improve. I'm watching everybody, all my other coworkers, and I just want to be at their level. I want to get to that point. And I'm watching these anchors and I idolized these anchors. And now looking back, I'm, I'm in that role. And it's just amazing to see how far you've come. And it's, it's nice being able to bring that into my job and remind these reporters that yes, you're going to make your mistakes. You're in your first market. You're in your first job, no matter what industry you're in, whether that's news or not, you're going to make mistakes in your first couple of years. Like that just happens. And you know what? You're going to grow from it. You're going to learn from it. You're never going to make that mistake again. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard when you're making your mistakes on air for everybody to see, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Everything you do is public in that sense. You know, when you have a blooper, <laughs> yeah. everybody sees it, you know, and I think you just have to you move on from there. You got to go on to the next thing, the next story, the next show, um, and just kind of, you know, leave, leave it in the past. Exactly. And you start fresh every day. That's the new thing about this. It's the nice thing about this job is every single day, it's something so new, especially as a reporter or as a producer or as an anchor, I mean, one day your top story is some crime news that happened downtown. And the next day, you know, maybe it's a bunch of kids that got together and did some amazing thing from, from the community. It's, it's a unique kind of office job. I don't, I'm not sure if you could call it an office job, but it's, it's something I never thought I would be in this industry and here I am. And it's such a unique opportunity that I, We'll never forget. I mean, no matter what I do in the future. So yeah, and I love the fact that every day is something new. It's a new so story, different. new people to talk to, new people to learn from. In your experience, uh, what have been some of those really memorable stories, or maybe most rewarding stories that you've had a chance to go out and tell? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a hard one. I think it's the stories that truly make an impact after the fact. Um. I've done stories on like police investigations and trying to figure out what happened and the families that are reaching out and these heartfelt stories about, you know, families dealing with lost loved ones. But one that really stuck out is the the Paradise Fire that destroyed the town of Paradise in California. I interviewed a woman and she had evacuated from the Paradise Fire. And it was the, I think it was the one year or the two year anniversary And I remember we were doing the interview in this field and I think in that situation, I think in this industry, and I'll probably talk about this later too, but it's so easy to become jaded and desensitized in the news because you're just always getting, you know, another crash and this other thing happened and crime and another burglary. And it's so easy to forget you're talking about 
people and it's, this is impacting people. And when you do an interview like that, where this woman evacuated from paradise and she didn't know where her, her child was and, oh, just seeing the people that those are the people that you report for and that you need to tell their story and why you need to be prepared for these fires. And that is why you are in the industry that you're in. And it's those stories that make me want to go out there and report the news and get their stories out there. And the after the Almeida fire and all the rebuilding and it's still happening. And now there's a huge housing crisis and anything that can truly make an impact, even if it's just one person is worth it in my eyes. And you mentioned the Alameda fire that hit close to home for you in September yes. of 2020. Uh, what was that day like when that fire was burning uh, through through Talent in Phoenix? Yeah, so I actually lived in Talent. I was off that day and we knew it was bad conditions. There was a red flag warning. It was windy. It was really hot outside. And it was kind of this perfect storm for everything to happen. And I had a weird feeling. The fire sparked at about 11, but I was up at about seven o'clock and you could just hear the wind outside. I packed up some bags because I just had this feeling deep down in, in me. And then I looked out. I remember I was on the phone with my mom, just mom, I'm so anxious. I don't know what's going on. And I look outside my bedroom window I'm sitting on my bed and there's this cloud of just red smoke coming at you. And everybody's outside in the parking lot in the complex, just looking at this cloud of red. And I texted a picture to my coworkers who were working that day. At this point, I was the weekend anchor. So my weekend was Monday, Tuesday. And when I got the text back saying everybody had dropped what they were doing and it was team coverage, when I got that text, I knew something was wrong because that just doesn't, that doesn't happen. I didn't know what was going on at this point. So I packed up my car and I decided to just get out. And I knew it was really serious when I was going northbound on Highway 99 through Talent in Phoenix area where the fire ended up just wiping through. And there was a fire truck from the Applegate Valley, which is in the Roosh area, which is not close to Talent. That's, that's quite a bit of a drive if people don't know. It's 40, 45 minutes maybe. And they were coming southbound in the northbound lane. And I see people that I know from interviewing and they just looked scared. And they're telling people, get over, get over. Um, so the next morning I went boots on the ground, went into talent myself and it's, it was just heartbreaking. That's, I mean, that's, that's your community. And I think it's, I'm watching my coworkers who some of them lost their homes and they're, they, they're not going to go home. People need the news. People need the evacuation. So they're watching. We had a a camera up on the hill, up on the manor, and it can see the whole valley. And so we had that running at all times on our social media and you can see the red coming through. And we have coworkers who were watching that video, watching their neighborhoods burn and there's nothing they can do. But then we needed to report the news because we need, knew that's what the public needed. And so you just keep going. And it does hit close to home. And it's hard when you're interviewing people and it's, it's affecting you too. You're, a lot of people were evacuated, even if they didn't lose their homes. And it is hard sometimes separating that human side of you versus the professional side of you and wanting to get everything up so quickly and speedy, but balancing, okay, is this accurate? Is this true? Where is this coming from? 
it's hard to balance that. It's hard to balance when it's such a whirlwind of events and it was a whirlwind for about a month, but I'm proud of our coverage. So I can look back and say I was proud of our coverage. How do you work in moments like that when they hit so close to home and it is very emotional, but at the same time, you also have to, you mentioned you have this responsibility of getting this information out for your viewers. How do you balance that as a, as a human being and as a reporter, th those two things, getting the news out while also knowing that this is, this is something that is still very difficult and emotional and hard for you personally? It was hard. I think for myself, if something like that's happening, it's, it's easier for me to throw myself into my work and it's almost as like a distraction for me. So I think we all pulled over time for weeks after that. Um, I usually started my day. I would usually start my day at about 10, 10 in the morning on those days. I was starting at seven in the morning, six in the morning, boots on the ground in talent. We could go places where people couldn't necessarily go. And so in my mind, you just kept pushing forward because I was thinking, okay, well, I can get in here and I can see what's going on, but a lot of people can't. A lot of people are not allowed past that specific line. A lot of people don't know the contacts that they need to contact to figure out what's going on. And those officials were dealing with so much at the same time. So they don't have time to, to answer every single call from every single citizen. So that's, that's when the news comes in. And so in my mind, it is hard separating the human from the professional and from the job, but I just kept reminding myself, what would I need to know if I was watching the news and looking at social? And so my first immediate thought was put everything on Twitter. You get everything on Twitter. People can go directly to Twitter and they can share it and they can send it off. And that's exactly what I did. And it paid off. We ended up down the line going in there, a, a group of reporters, we started just writing down lists of what is standing, what is not, what is standing, what is not, because that's our community. We know what's standing. I know that that is the taco shop I went to on Tuesdays. And that's the, the donut place that I would go and get a jelly filled donut when I was feeling sad coming off of a hard day of work. And so we would send those lists and put them on social, but we'd also send them to the evacuation centers and they would put them up. So it's anything that you could do to help. You helped out in every way you could. I think that was the only way I could get through it was knowing I was doing something to help. I couldn't put the fire out, but I could get the information out there. Yeah, absolutely. And Anna, I, I truly do think that you did help and your entire team. It's so important during those moments of chaos really to get that information out there and the work i remember watching not just your coverage but but across the new station mm -hmm. southern oregon and seeing the work that everyone did today and for you um you did do amazing work that day keeping people Thank informed you. i was hundreds of miles away up in corvallis and, and i felt like i was getting a sense of what was happening in southern oregon in pretty close to real time too and that coverage doesn't stop we're still doing it we're still talking about rebuilding and that that donut shop i just mentioned it sounds silly but they started rebuilding this week. I mean, it's it's still a huge story that it doesn't stop the day the flame goes out. It It's gonna keep going for years and years and years to come. Is there anything that you have to do as a reporter to take care of yourself? Because you mentioned that you're covering you know, very difficult stories, emotional stories. 
when it's all said and done and, and you go home at the end of the day, what do you do to take care of you? Well, I'm a giant nerd, so I just throw myself into a book and then escape <laughs> into another world. But um, I think for me, it's 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 a routine. It, it kind of depends on the day. Sometimes that's just hanging out with my friends outside of work. But a lot of times it's, you know, we were talking about unwinding after a, a day of breaking news. And for me, that is a cup of tea, a book, and then I go to bed and then I dream about the characters in my book and their problems. And I don't think about mine, but it is hard. I, I think it's nice to that I know I have a support system and that a lot of these reporters, young 20-somethings, all in a new place in a new town that they didn't necessarily grow up into. And so you do have that support system because you're in such a unique situation. But on top of that, it's just, I mean, it's a great community down here. Everyone really did rally after the fire. Everyone rallies after these big events that happen. And I'll be walking downtown Medford and somebody will come up and be like, Anna, hey, thank you so much for X, Y, and Z and reporting on my cousin's something, 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 everything's connected because it's the six degrees of separation or whatever the saying is. So it is nice having that support system and being able to call my friends and we're all in this situation together. Absolutely. Uh, Anna, what stories do you want to cover that you haven't covered yet? Ooh, that's also a good question. Thank you. Um, I, you know, I think we haven't covered it because it just hasn't been enough time, but it's it's following up with those, those families that did lose everything in the Amita fire and the businesses, but specifically the families that they are in the rebuilding process right now. And a lot of them, you can see all the construction going up and following their journeys is something that I know we're going to continue and I want to continue. And that, that is what keeps me going is it's those families. So I want to follow their journeys and I want to continue, whether I'm in Medford or not, I still want to know, okay, their house is up. They're living in their house. Their neighborhood is back. Um, they're getting back to their daily lives. No, they're never going to forget that, that day or those couple years or months, but that is a story that I do. I want to tell. Yeah, making a difference for them. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll talk more with Anna Weeks coming up right after this. You're listening to the OMN Alumni Podcast. Hey, we're back. We're talking with Anna Weeks of NBC5 in Medford, Oregon. Anna, you have been working at NBC5 for a few years now, and you did reporting during your time at OSU, at Orange Media Network. Did you always want to be a reporter? What made you want to get into TV news? You know, actually, back in high school, I, I transferred my senior year because I moved, and I accidentally got put in the wrong class, and it was newspaper. So I showed up on the first day they called roll and I'm thinking, oh no, new school, I'm in the wrong classroom. And uh, they had accidentally put me in this class. I ended up staying in it and figured out I love reporting and I love, it wasn't on air. I loved the newspaper aspect. And so then when I went to Oregon State, I, I think I started on the marketing team actually with an iPad about for the best of series, yeah. getting surveys on campus. And from there, I went into the multimedia reporter position. I realized I like working the cameras. I like being behind the camera. And I think it was my first day on the job as a multimedia reporter. And we were doing those news blasts, those small newscasts. I don't know if you guys still do those, but the anchor had to go to class because we're still students. Right. 
And I remember Brian, my boss at the time, turning to me and going, okay, new girl, you're in. <laughs> Have somebody drive you a blazer. And somebody drove me a blazer and I'm wearing my Converse and I anchored my first news blast. And ever since then, I kind of got a taste for it and I just never stopped. Just threw you in the deep end and say, all right, threw let's do this. Threw me in the deep end, Brian, I'm calling you out. <laughs> I remember uh, you coming into my office in one of the first days that you were there and basically just kind of saying like, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want to work in this field. I, I want to do this sort of thing. And and then, yeah, just having them throw you in the deep end. All right, host this news who, host this news blast. Go down into the, the lobby and interview people about the opening of this building. Uh, what was that experience like being thrown in the deep end? Like, did you have to, did you have to do anything in particular to get ready or what was that like? You know, it really taught me to work on my feet. And I think that's this whole industry is throwing a cat out and it stands up on its feet. And that's just what you learn to do. And <laughs> I, I think that's kind of why I love it because when you're reporting, you have to become a mini expert in every single field that you do, whether that's earthquakes one day and you know, fires the next or a little feature story or whatever it is. And I think that's why I like it is because you can figure out how to explain it and how to boil that down and deliver it to people that people are going to understand it. And maybe you're not going to be a full expert in the field, but now, you know, a topic comes up in earthquakes and I can go, okay, well, I can give my two cents and be a part of that conversation. And I like being a part of the conversation. Now, what do you do when you are assigned to something that you don't know much about? You know, maybe it is earthquakes or something like that. What are, what are your tricks for learning it very quickly in order to tell that story? Don't be afraid to tell the expert to boil it down into way simpler terms. I can't tell you how many times somebody has explained this full, beautifully crafted explanation. And I'm still standing there with the camera thinking, I have no clue what just came out of their mouth <laughs> because I'm not a scientist. That's not my specialty. So don't be afraid to just say, look, I have no experience in this. Can you just give it to me as if I have no background in this field and that's okay. And the experts know that and more than likely they're willing to completely just break it down and hash it out with you. But also you have going back into the newsroom, you have your news director, you have your producer, you have other reporters that are also kind of able to help you out and really mash it into something that people can digest. <laughs> that's good. You've done a lot of news, obviously, uh, but I also remember you covering sports during your time at Orange Media Network. What was I your did. most memorable experience covering sports? You know, a lot of these positions, I think I, I volunteered. There was a, there was a need. I ended up volunteering for something and then realizing I liked it. And that's kind of how the anchoring happened. That is how the sports, I was sports chief for the last half of my senior year at Oregon State. And that happened because we needed a football videographer early on during football season. And I told the current sports chief, I said, well, I could learn. I could do it. Throw me in, coach. And so I remember getting out there and realizing, hey, I like reporting on sports. And that is how I ended up with the sports chief role. And it was fun. And I learned something completely different. And I think throwing yourself into something, even if you're you're thinking, well, there's no way I can never, I could never be the sports chief. I could never be the videographer for football games because I don't want to get run over or whatever, just throwing yourself <laughs> and getting involved. Um, the run over thing, I don't, that only happened twice. So I was fine, but. Oh, only twice. Yeah. Only mild twice. concussion. You're fine. <laughs> I was fine. I was fine. But I think it's just 
throwing yourself in and getting involved and learning what you like and what you don't. And I think that's what I did. And I, I ended up here. So somehow it worked. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any advice for people who maybe they're in college or maybe they're thinking about getting into TV news, anything that you think they should know as they're preparing for a career in that field? The biggest thing I can say is network, 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 network. Everywhere you go, you should be making connections. And that sounds like so oversaid, but I think it gets put on the back burner a lot. And half of the job is networking and connecting with people and keeping those contacts and keeping that relationship with that person. You never know where that relationship is going to be useful, whether that's a story down the line or something else that comes up just in life in general. But at Oregon State, for example, I mean, I, I accepted all these roles. I helped out where I could, and I just got involved with things that I thought would be fun. And it, it just led me into a position where everything connected and everything worked out. And I mean, at one point at OMN, we, we tried out blogs and I was a Greek life blogger. I didn't do that because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go be a journalist. I was thinking, oh, I'm in Greek life. I think that would be fun. I think that would be fun to be involved in that way. And then I transitioned into, you know, being a multimedia journalist and sports chief and arts and culture editor and whatever else. But I ended up here. So get involved, network, network, network. Was there a moment for you where it clicked and it went from, oh, this is fun into, oh, I could actually do this as a career? Yes and no. I think I think it kind of just, this, this job I actually got because of, I interned with the National Association of Broadcasters. I did NAB my junior and senior year. And I met a woman who is friends with the owner of my current station. And I kept that contact and I networked. And because of my skills through OMN, I was able to say, oh yes, I could do that. And, or I don't know how to do that skill, but I can learn it. And I'm confident in my ability to learn that. And that was because of all of the jobs at OMN. I had the writing background from the barometer, but I knew I could also work a camera and operate a camera and edit it because of what you taught me and because of what I learned sitting in the newsroom at OMN being surrounded by so many other passionate people where you just feed off of each other. And so I think it's the people I worked with. It's the people that helped me do the jobs that I had at OMN. They're the ones who gave me the confidence to figure out what I wanna do. I don't know if there was a moment where it really clicked for me, like this is what I could do. I think it was just this gradual thing of, okay, we'll fake it till you make it. And somehow I opened my eyes one day and it's like, oh, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm not faking it anymore. I, I know those skills and I have a background and a lot of that is from OMN. Yeah, and you had that confidence to be able to say, yes, mm -hmm. I can do this. I know what I'm doing here. It's interesting that you say that to see how it all kind of, it's like a tangled web, it all comes together. Yeah. You learn the skills in these areas and you're making the network connections in these other areas and then seeing the two of those come together the way that it did. That's really fascinating to me. Well, and it, at one point I was working at OMN and I was also tutoring athletes 
um, just down the street in Corvallis. <laughs> Anna, what and didn't you do at, Cor in, in, at, at OSU? <laughs> Seems like you did a little bit I, of everything. You know, I just loved meeting new people in all walks of life. And I think I still do. And that's why I love what I do because that's just what you get to do. You get to go out into the community and talk to all sorts of people and find out what they're passionate about. And once you get somebody talking about what they're passionate about, that's when their eyes light up and they just can't stop talking. And that is what I love doing. And that's also why I like your place at seven, which is what I do now, because you just get people talking about what they love and they they love turning their house into a gingerbread house or they love helping the vets down the street. And that's just that what that's why I like my job. And you mentioned how much of a shift that is from, you know, the harder news that you've also had to cover in a way. Has it been has it been important that you have that that show your place at seven with Anna Weeks, if, if nothing else, just to have some some happier news to cover and, and to get your hands on? It is like a breath of fresh air sometimes. I think the news is very important and there's a reason why we have journalists and there's a reason why, you know, maybe the industry is shifting a little bit, but there's a reason why we have TV news and social media. But having your place at seven, I get emails all the time about, thank you for making me smile. I just, I needed that. I needed that, that story. Where did you find that story? Thank you. And that it is nice. It's nice for myself just being able to know I'm going to give a show where it's just all smiles and laughter and happiness and gumdrops and lemon drops falling from the sky, rainbows, whatever. But And on people's houses. Oh, for sure. And on people's <laughs> houses. <laughs> but yeah, it is It is a nice breath of fresh air. I think it's it's actually done even better during the pandemic because I think people need that. They need that good news every once in a while that pops up because there is a lot of bad in the world and that still needs to get out and it still needs to be reported and we need that watchdog journalism. But it is also nice just knowing that there's new canine down the street that's helping out the community. So yeah, giving people that dose of good news at a time when they really need it. That's important. Hey, that's exactly. It's like a Mary Poppins spoonful of sugar. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anna, if folks want to check out your work or connect with you on social media, where can they do that? Twitter, Facebook, anywhere that you can find me. Um, it's usually Anna Weeks under or Anna underscore Weeks. Reach out. I'd be happy to to chat, give advice, network. I'll throw that in there. <laughs> right on. It all comes back together. Anna, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I'm really proud of all the work that you're doing right now and everything that you continue to do uh, in Southern Oregon and, and, and beyond from here. So thank you for taking the time to be on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been great to catch up with you. Yeah, thank you. And if you would like to learn more about Orange Media Network, go to orangemedianetwork.com. If you want to suggest an alumnus to appear on the podcast, please reach out and let us know. We'd be happy to host them. Once again, this has been the OMN Alumni Podcast. I'm Stephen Sandberg. Thanks for listening.